morning. It is Thursday, August 17th. It's seven minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there at Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube right now. Typing Kendall and Casey oh, hello. into the YouTube search bar. So, friend of the show, Micah Beckwith, certainly has people throughout the great state of Indiana talking. Isn't this great? The the governor caved and cried uncle. Wasn't yeah. this great? Uh, so, Micah Beckwith has, is running for lieutenant governor, and it has people questioning now how we choose the lieutenant governor in this state. This is great. So, when Micah ran... And we said this on this show, and you know, Casey, there is nothing I loathe more than having to come on these very powerful airwaves, which are heard from Ohio to Illinois and all points in between, and tell people how right I was. But in this case, uh, we were absolutely 100% correct. We said when he ran, he was going to totally disrupt everything because the problem with Micah that the establishment is going to have is he is super likable in person. Mm-hmm. He's super rock solid conservative and he is squeaky clean. Yeah, there's no there, ghosts in that closet. There's nothing you're going to hold up against him where you're going to say, ha ha, gotcha. gotcha. And even if you could, Diego Morales has already set the precedent where well, we'll just elect anyone if they got an R next to their name. So there's such a low bar for Micah to hop over. And Micah found a flaw in their little cabal system where the lieutenant governor gets elected by delegates, not by, you know, hand chosen by the establishment. And it is just, you know, to steal a line from Animal House, a little known caveat uh, in the system. And he has exploited that with an incredible campaign so far where he's hitting all corners of the state and people like him when they meet him in person. They like his message when they meet him in person. And they like the idea of having a check and balance, which is not beholden to the governor in the Indiana State House. So for years, the lieutenant governor has been mostly handpicked by the person running for governor. 30 years now. And then Micah said, no, 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 no. It's actually the delegates who get to pick the lieutenant governor. So Micah is going straight to the delegates to try and get their vote. And now Eric Holcomb, current governor, is weighing in on this. Yeah. So so what the brilliance of this was, and I knew this would happen at the at the time, these the political structures are and I've heard this described for big business or whatever before. They're like a, a large dinosaur in the sense of they don't move quickly. They don't adapt quickly. The institution is the institution. And when you have institutional people like Eric Holcomb and Kyle Hupp for running the system, they're not set up to think on their feet. And so Micah caught Holcomb and Hupfer and the rest of the goon squad flat-footed with this. And so they don't know how to respond to it because the system is set up to be a rubber stamp. But the system is also set up that if you have a smart, creative person like Micah, that it isn't actually a rubber stamp. And now Holcomb, Hupfer, the rest of the establishment totally is in a box because, well, if we try to change the system now, they're mad he's running. Don't kid yourself. These people are livid that Micah is running and doing very well, but they're caught because now the game has already begun. The race has already been started to be run, and if they were to change or try to change the rules in the middle of the game, they know there would be just tremendous backlash from the from the delegates, from the base of the party, 
etc. Because these people are going, no, screw you. We like Micah. We like the message of independence. We like the message of conservatism coming from that office because we're sure not getting it from you people. Mm. And so they're caught and they have to figure out a way to, to a new way to scheme and scam the system. And I think that's what Holcomb and Hupfer are doing because they both come out and said, well, we are in favor of the delegates picking the nominee. And it's like they're now retreating. Mm-hmm. It's like when when Wa- when Washington started getting wins against the British, right? The British were like, well, crap, this wasn't supposed to happen. Let's retreat and live to fight another day. It is. It, they are totally caught off guard here. And the only play for Holcomb was to come out and say, well, I support the delegates picking the nominee. Of course he's going to say that. What else is he going to say? He's not going to go, no, 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 I want to handpick the person. Of course he's going to say that he supports the delegates delegates choosing the lieutenant governor. Uh, he said when when he was running that he was fortunate that he had the delegates' support. I don't, did they even know that they had an option? He was handpicked by Mike Pence after Sue Elsperman magically, Casey, of 7 million people. So, little, you want to do a history lesson here? Sure. I mean, it's a little early, but kids are back in school. Maybe we should be doing history lessons, too. Let's talk about the cabal for a minute, shall we? Yeah. Okay, because this is the very sort of thing Micah Beckwith is running against and is about to upend because I think whoever the handpicked toady by the governor nominee is going to be is going to get beat up one side of that convention hall and back down the other. So Mike Pence was about to get his ass handed to him by John Gregg because Mike Pence was a horrible governor who was wholly unlikable and there were multiple polls showing him in very big trouble. And Sue Elsperman, who was his lieutenant governor at the time, was told we are going to go super negative against John Gregg because we have nothing to run on and that's the only chance we have to win re-election is to be super negative against John Gregg. Sue Sue Elsperman is a very nice person and said, I am not doing that. You're on your own, Palski. So they had a gigantic problem where they had a lieutenant governor who was not politically aligned with the governor. Sue Elsperman's not a conservative to begin with and she wasn't going to go negative. So they had to get rid of her. Well, she just wasn't going to go willy-nilly into the quiet good night. So magically, Casey, of 7 million people in the state of Indiana, it just so happened that (laughs) Sue Elsperman, ta-da, was the most qualified person to run Ivy Tech. So they found a sweet-ass little landing spot Mm -hmm. for her over Mm -hmm. at Ivy Tech. And at the same time, they had a big, gigantic problem because Eric Holcomb was in dead last in a U.S. Senate primary where he was completely out of money and was reduced to shooting baskets in all 92 counties as a campaign strategy. But he was pulling just enough votes from Todd Young that Marlon Stutzman was going to breeze into the U.S. Senate and be the Republican nominee over there. And, of course, we can't have any conservatives in the United States Senate, Casey, especially not ones from Indiana. So the uh, you can either be a believer in the biggest coincidences in the world or you can believe that the cabal in action landed Sue Elsmerman over at Ivy Tech, which opened up the lieutenant governor's mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And you can believe that Eric Holcomb, who couldn't run an Arby's if his life depended on it, was <laughs> the most qualified person of 7 million people to be lieutenant governor. Of course it wasn't. He becomes lieutenant governor. All those votes go to Todd Young. Todd Young becomes a senator, even though he didn't get the signatures. And everybody in the establishment is happy. It's a donor and lobbyist Christmas miracle. I'm really surprised that Eric Holcomb actually even commented on this because it's not going to affect him one way or the other. The other. Well, I think he didn't have a choice. And I think what they had to, because of Micah's success so far, I think he absolutely had to come out and say something 
because there was immense pressure building and you're the governor and you're the face of the party and you're the head you are the head of the Republican Party. And I think the fact that Hupfer had already come out and said, well, I guess I'm in favor of the delegates. They're scheming and scamming something. They're going to try to screw not just Micah. They're going to try to screw you in some capacity because that's what they do. And they just got embarrassed at the last convention with Diego and they're not going to let it happen again. It is 15 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. You want to get into these new I read scores? Yes. Uh, the new I let's take a break and get back into this because this is a pathetic indictment of the mismanagement of our government by Eric Holcomb and the Indiana Republican Party and kids across the state are suffering because all this state does all the Republicans do is just blindly throw money at things with no accountability whatsoever. All right, that's coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, 19 minutes after nine. And the new iRead scores came out and they showed no significant progress. And this is among Indiana's third graders. For the past year, one in five Indiana third graders uh, are going to need additional support to build their reading skills back up. This is so crazy, Casey, because in budget after budget, Mm. the Indiana Republican Party, who controls absolutely everything, we get all the time, why aren't you mean to the Democrats? What am I going to talk about? They don't control anything in Indiana state government. Republicans have supermajorities. The Democrats don't matter. Everything that is going on is the fault, good, bad, or indifferent, of the Republicans. And every budget, they continue to throw record amounts of money at the angry red-shirted teachers because they're very afraid of the angry red-shirted teachers coming to the state house and screaming at them. And every year we fail to see any progress. And once again, this has happened. The extra money, other than making us poorer, because that's where they get it from, Casey, it doesn't grow on a money tree. They take it and extract it from the citizens, is not producing better results when it comes to kids progressing in their education. Okay, so we're talking about money and budget. Well, let's look at that. In 21, $150 million from the state general fund for the Student Learning Recovery Grant Program. And uh, just this past year, uh, they appropriated $35 million for learning recovery. And overall, the budget appropriated $100 million. Okay, so that's really important. You just said learning recovery, and Mm -hmm. we're going to say this in English because this is what government does. They do word salad so you don't understand and so you can't hold them accountable. When we say learning recovery, we are talking about the the learning deficit that took place because Eric Holcomb head of the Indiana Republican Party shut the state down mm. in 2020 and that included pressuring schools to shut down as well and the Indiana General Assembly controlled by which party Casey? The Indiana General Assembly? Yes, controlled by which party? The Republicans. The Republicans, party. that's correct. The Republicans did absolutely nothing to stop Eric Holcomb. In fact, they've done so little. He could do that again today, and there's nothing that would prevent exactly what happened in 2020 from happening again. And isn't that how uh, the lieutenant governor got her nickname, Silent oh, Suzanne? Oh, yes, old Silent <laughs> Suzanne, who said absolutely nothing. She's in on this, too. Good call, Casey. Silent Suzanne in cahoots on all of this. So what you have is... The governor, against objections from parents and people with common sense who looked at the data on COVID, and your child was a a victim of this as well because Mm -hmm. she was still in school when all this happened, said, look, the data is very clear. 
kids are at almost zero risk of some sort of serious illness if they contract COVID. What they are at risk for is serious issues on their learning and their education and their ability to be productive members of society if you remove them from the classroom. Holcomb and the Republicans put a giant middle finger in the face of all those parents, and now... As we are seeing, and the data is showing, and again, second segment of the day where we got to talk about how right we were, we were right and they were wrong. These people are morons, Casey. Holcomb, Rod and Todd, the Flanders boys, you shouldn't trust them alone with one kid, much less the millions of kids in the state of Indiana, and they blew it again, and now they're trying to buy their way out of it, and it isn't working. Okay, so the results were really stagnant because a year ago, we were at 81.6% of the students who had read mastery and this year guess where it's at 81.9 percent and think about how little this computes casey i will keep talking about this it's not going to change so i guess we will just keep talking about it until we're told our, our services are no longer needed on this radio station on one hand you have the indiana republican party who every single budget says oh my gosh public education is so out of control we must every budget throw record amounts of resources into getting kids into charter schools into private school into changing public school if they want school choice would throw it under one umbrella of school choice so on one hand you're saying that and i agree with them on that the public education system as a collective is a colossal failure it is administrator heavy it is enriching and empowering people who don't actually care about your kids I'm not talking about many individual teachers, but unfortunately, everybody's lumped into the same stew. The public education system is a failure. The the Republicans admit that based on the emphasis of school choice. Yet on the same hand, or on the other hand, I'm sorry, you feed this beast that you claim is completely out of control by throwing record amounts of money, most of it unaccountable, to the angry red-shirted teachers in the public education. How can both of these things be happening at the same time? Now, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you recall who is the bronze sponsor of the Republican State Dinner? Well, Casey, that would be the angry red-shirted teachers union. <laughs> uh, five grand, right? Uh-huh. One hand washing the other. And this is when you see the priorities of Eric Holcomb, who is the face, who is the de facto, the Mr. Big of the Indiana Republican Party and the leader of the state, he is totally in bed with the teachers union. They've said so many great things about him, how much they like his policies, about how much they like how he's put things forward that appeal to them. Holcomb is a Democrat. Let's just call it, right? If, if you were to say it, we're going to remove the names, and I'm going to give you a description of a guy. Casey, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Pretend you don't know who I'm talking about. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Kev, are you ready? Okay, Kev's nodding in agreement. (laughs) Largest tax increase in state history. Mm -hmm. Tax increases every single year. Mm -hmm. Biggest government in state history. Biggest budget in state history. Uh, Shut the state down. Mandatory masking. Wholly endorsed and supported by the angry red-shirted teachers union. Let's domestic terrorists write police reform bills. Calls law-abiding citizens human, human petri dish, but rioters and looters noble. What party would you say that person is? Yeah, it sounds like that's the blue Democrat Exactly. Party. Eric Holcomb is a Democrat, which it blows my mind that people are like, well, we got to vote for him because we, we could have a Democrat in there. You do have a Democrat in you there. Abso- thank you. Yes, you absolutely do. And so the point on all of this is money. The answer is not lack of resources. The issue is what people are doing 
with those resources. And when you just blindly throw money at government, which is what the General Assembly and Holcomb do year in and year out with public education, the money isn't used wisely and it isn't used to help kids. It is used to pay six-figure salaries and sweet-ass benefits for administrators who are not, not only are they not solving problems, they're creating problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe it's also stupid to base success and teach standardized testing well, as bingo. well. Absolutely. And you know who you blame for that? And real quick, I know we got to get to a break. We're going to talk about this guy next segment, so this will be a great teaser. Mike Pence is to blame for this mm. because Mike Pence campaigned when he ran for governor. One of the many lies that he told, I mean, we're all talking about lies and fibs these days with Mike Pence, was I'm going to get us out of Common Core. I'm going to be the guy that removes us from Common Core. And when Mike Pence got in there, and I know I was there at the time, is Mike Pence is addicted to federal money, just like most Republicans are. They want to badmouth it and talk out of both sides and say this and that. They're addicted to the money, just like the Democrats. Mike Pence removed us from Common Core, air quote, but then was so addicted to the federal money, and the federal money has standards, where standardized testing testing comes Mm -hmm. from, he opted us back into 90% of Common Core and called it something different. We still have Common Core. Mike Pence just tried to hoodwink you into, hey, if we call it another name. And in the process, Casey, it cost our state $100 million for this little uh, money changer event that Mike Pence went through. So nothing changed. All the stuff is still in place. It just cost you $100 million as a taxpayer. We'll get uh, more from 2 per- 2% Pence coming up. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's gearing up for the debate minefield. It should be a good one to watch. 9.33, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Of course, I'm talking about 2% Pence. So a uh, man at the Iowa State Fair asked him, uh, why did he commit treason on January 6th? And he responded by asking the man to read the Constitution. He said uh, he recommended. Yeah. Recommend he read the Constitution because by the grace of God, he did his duty. You know, Kevin and I were having a conversation off air about maintaining your youthful beauty and how things maybe aren't as they once were. Mm -hmm. And it's just on to me. You know who Mike Pence has become? Because it's been the same pathetic song and dance, which has now been exposed as a giant con to the masses for 23 plus years now. Mike Pence is the guy, is now the 50-year-old dude with the backwards hat who is still hanging out in Broad Ripple. That is who he is. (laughs) It is the same the same song and dance, and it's like you are the only person impressing yourself with this same tired rigmarole. I can't imagine my pencil like, broad room. Oh, well. Having a cocktail. Right, but uh, the, this is the equivalent of that, mm-hmm. where it is just the same, you know, uh, it's just the same cadence, the same words, the same everything. Let it go, dude. You're done here. And we are just pointing and laughing at you at this point. When you were uh, talking about Mike Pence earlier and you mentioned uh, how he was the one who got us off of Common Core, but it's just a new name. Yes. And then I realized, isn't he the one that also introduced Obamacare yes. 2.0 to the state of Indiana? Yes, but he would. Addicted to federal money? Would not call it that. Right. Because you can't run for president expanding Obamacare. So the great con was, we'll call it HIP 2.0 mm-hmm. because the original HIP, which was Daniel's, 
was wildly popular. And if you look, it continues to this day where Holcomb freely admitted, I kept the emergency declaration open because of all the federal Medicaid money that we were getting because of it. And that was uh, a Pence thing. And you're right. And this is when I talk about the giant fraud and con that is Mike Pence, whether whether it is, as we said, opting out of Common Core, but not really, whether it is uh, Obamacare, but we don't call it that. This guy should be on an episode of American Greed as a giant fraud shyster, and people are just sick of it. It's like, dude, turn the baseball hat around, start hanging out at a townie bar somewhere because you're too old, let go, it's over, to great quote the great philosopher Eminem. So Mike Pence is going to have to gear up and get ready to be asked questions about January 6th. They're already coming, and now he's being asked questions about things happening in Georgia. Well, and and he is such a politician that he he is he knows he's caught in a lie because his words from what was going on in January of 2021 totally don't match what he's saying today, but he doesn't he just doesn't care, Casey, and we you know, I hate to just provide evidence for the blanket statements I'm making, but in this case I think we do have some some evidence mm-hmm. which will use words from today mm-hmm. versus words in the time and allow people to draw their own conclusion. So this was yesterday where he is very adamant that the election in Georgia, well it wasn't stolen. This president and his allies have said for now more than two and a half years and continue to insist to this very hour. The Georgia election was not stolen, and I had no right to overturn the election on January 6th. It's a hard truth. My friend Governor Brian Kemp said it well yesterday. He said, for quote, for nearly three years, anyone with evidence of fraud has failed to come forward to provide evidence in a court of law regarding the Georgia elections. Okay. And if Mike Pence had said that from the beginning, I would disagree with him, but I would say that is a very principled person who is totally missing the boat and missing the point and asleep at the switch. But wow, Casey, that really is a very principled person. Mm -hmm. The problem is, well, the problem is the internet is forever. (laughs) And well, on January 4th, so Mm -hmm. this was not 2017, this was January 4th, 2021, Mike Pence in Georgia, mm-hmm. see how I did the Pence cadence there? Yeah. In Georgia, said this. You know, I'm here because I stand with President Donald Trump. Wow. <laughs> what? Huh. Crazy. And I'm here because we stand with Senator David Perdue and Senator Kelly Leffler. Okay. You know, I know we all we all got our doubts about the last election. What? And I want to assure you, uh-huh. I share the concerns of millions of Americans. Whoa! Voting irregularities. <laughs> what? Voting irregularities? And I promise you, come this Wednesday, uh-huh. we'll have our day in Congress. What? We'll hear the objections. Oh! We'll hear the evidence. Uh huh. But tomorrow is Georgia's day. Now look, Casey. I get that. I pandering. I. Look, I am. T- you have to. You're going to have to step in on this one, and we'll have Kev in here too, maybe, because I am totally biased, and I load this guy, and I have known for a decade or more now what a complete and total fraudster he is. So I can't give an objective 
opinion on this, but it certainly sounded to me like that was a guy mm-hmm. who had serious doubts. He was questioning about the election yes. and about the election being on the up and up. And since he said it in Georgia, mm-hmm. one reasonable person might be led to believe he had some doubts or led that crowd stadium full of people to believe he had some doubts about Georgia's yeah. election. Yeah, he certainly has changed his tune, hasn't he? Hmm. These people are shameless. And Mike Pence is right at the front of the line in terms of just totally pathological liars who are completely (laughs) shameless. And uh, the best part about 2024 is we are going to be done with Mike Pence forever. Of course, Trump maintains that he did nothing wrong and he's claimed that the cases against him are politically motivated and un-American, which prosecutors deny. And speaking of those prosecutors, the Georgia prosecutor is seeking a March trial date for Trump and the 18 others. Casey, we've got a few minutes here before we're going to be joined by Jim Merritt. Kev, number five Mm. for us. Number five. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Okay. I think I think this might be the creepiest thing Joe Biden has ever said publicly. Yeah. Um, let's play it and then do a deep dive here, shall we? Okay. So there is, to set it up, there is a group of children behind him. He's doing some sort of press conference. Looks like the maybe teenage at best age kids. Mm-hmm. And he said this. I want to say one thing to your children. I know some really great ice cream places around here. <laughs> And daddy owes you. So talk to me afterwards. Daddy owes you. I I know some, what do you say, some really great ice cream places Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. around here. Yeah. Something in between that was really weird. Yeah. And then daddy owes you. Yeah. Can we eat one more time just so I remember all the things (laughs) that he said in that very short window? I want to say one thing to your children. Uh I know some really great ice cream places around here. And daddy owes you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So talk to me afterwards. Oh, talk to me afterwards. Yeah, come find me. He's we'll just get some ice cream. He's just short of a white van with blacked out yeah. windows. Get in the van. That's exactly what I'm thinking too. This is super he's creepy, so right? So creepy, creeping chief. Uh, how? Why can't he not be creepy around kids? Sniffing them. Well, one day buy him ice cream. Casey, there's a word. Yeah. For people mm. who behave inappropriately mm-hmm. with and around children mm-hmm. and uh i think we all know what that word is mm-hmm. and joe biden appears to have many of the character traits of a person who does that and e- that would be weird for any person to say mm-hmm. it's especially weird and totally tone deaf for a guy who has been videotaped multiple times having inappropriate contact at best with the average person to look at and go, that's weird with young children. Mm-hmm. And they are fully aware of the perception of him by many people. And for him to get up there and say that, that is just creepy beyond belief. I seriously doubt that was in the note cards. That was that was him ad-libbing. Can you imagine being the person that is his... I don't know, handler, whatever. I mean, there's somebody there that has to be, 
you know, like in the cartoons. Cleaning when, up his mess. You know, the cartoons where they'd have the giant cane so they could pull somebody mm-hmm. off the, the gong. <laughs> Someone hit the gong. It's over. Time to move on. Uh, I want to play the other clip, if we can, really quick. This is him on the second anniversary of the botched yeah, well, Afghanistan well, yeah, withdrawal. We're, we're, we're not going to have time to do not that. Not going to have time. Yeah, uh, he was yelling at us. We'll he, get to in it the next same hour. speech, he goes from being totally creepy to yelling at us. We'll get to that next hour. But when we come back, yeah. Jim Merritt's going to be with us talking about Hulk backing down on the delegates at the convention. We've got this Irie disaster. We've got this weird Caitlin Bernard award that was pulled back. The Torchbearer Award. So much to get to with Jim Merritt. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. state of Indiana. 30 years in the Indiana Senate. The great, great Jim Merritt. How are you, my friend? Robert, I'm well. Casey? Hey, good morning. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Hey, so let's start with the Indiana Capital Chronicle had this article about the iLearn scores. And, uh, well, they're not really very good. And by not good, I mean not any better than really they were before, which is wild, Jim, because the state uh, legislature and uh, high-tax Holcomb have thrown about a gajillion extra dollars at public education the past couple years, and it doesn't seem we're getting anything for our money. What sayeth you? I think it's a, a terrible report. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about. I learned number one, but two, I'm very concerned for, and more importantly, our kids. And and obviously, shutting down during the pandemic uh, was the wrong solution to uh, to that crisis. And and we and we've learned that, and hopefully, we won't do it again because our leaders have got to understand they've got to have after action reports that shutting down schools, shutting down society, does not work. Okay, so let's talk about that because every decision these people these people being Holcomb and the legislature seem to make is wrong, and yet they keep we keep letting them do the stuff. And why would you not have thought that if you shut the schools down and you go to this e-learning bullcrap, especially for something that wasn't even affecting kids, kids were fine during COVID, data after data showed us that, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think, wow, that's going to have some really big ramifications, but yet they seem to be looking around going, well, what happened here? Well, that that's the whole thing also, but if you remember during the pandemic, it was quite clear that children were be- were not being affected by COVID, and and there's got to be some flexibility, and, and, and there wasn't nationwide and there's a lot of people around this country that were affected by covid but also just like you say a gajillion kids who uh had a lot of what they call learning loss and they've been trying to pump money into the system from the federal government and as we know the cares act that went 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 down and uh and and funded schools and i was counting the other day it's three or four hundred million dollars that the federal government and state government is trying to um, catch up and try it they call it learning loss and learning recovery and it's just not working right now let's hope that it back in uh, what 2021 when the legislature acted in that budget and they threw a, a lot of money at it that uh, somehow we're going to get some 
uh, results, but right now the results are not are not there. Okay, so I want to catch all of our listeners up just in case they're not aware of this information. So there are 82,000 third graders throughout the state of Indiana, and this report came out that says one in five of these third graders are struggling with reading skills. And last year they were at 81.6% of reading mastery, and this year it's 81.9%, so stagnant. And the department's good. The Department of Education, their goal is to have 95% reading mastery. Is 95% too high? Well, I, I, I think 100% should be the goal, number one. But two, those that's not exactly third world, but it's in the zip code. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I think the, the citizens of the state of Indiana cannot be happy with that, and it's not acceptable. And and I look to our leaders to tell us how we're going to get to the 95%, how we're going to get to the 100%, and, and where all this money is going. Well, the reason I ask you about the 95% is because the highest uh, we've ever scored is 91.4%. So it's it almost seems like it's an expectation that isn't realistic. It can't be met. They've never met 95%. Well, also, when you talk about the hundreds of millions of dollars, Casey, that we're spending on this, it's where are the parents? Mm. I mean, I have three kids that that uh, we worked day and night to make sure that they could read early on, read Spanish, mm-hmm. speak Spanish. And I think it I think there needs to be a participation and, and it probably this is a demonstration that you can throw the world of, of money at a problem such as reading with our kids and it just might not work. So it, it's a combination of how we go about uh, educating our children, but also what our what our parents are doing at home. Uh, Jim Merritt, our guest, we're talking about these pathetic iLearn scores. Um, okay, so you know, Jim, you're a longtime member of this show, listener of this show. Our least favorite thing to do on the show is where we have to go out and tell everybody how right we were. <laughs> and we just hate to do that. <laughs> but we we have been saying this now for the past three-ish budget cycles, maybe four that simply throwing a giant briefcase of money at people and going, here, catch, is the absolute worst thing that you can do. And yet the Republicans, who control everything in Indiana, keep doing that to public education, while at the same time taking another briefcase full of money and going, public education is so bad, we must get people out of public education, and we throw briefcases full of money at charter schools and at school choice. This is just the most bizarre, wimpy way of governance where, well, we have so much money, let's throw it at both sides and hope one of them works. And we're also asking teachers to be a, a parent and a teacher and a counselor. And and right now, the model isn't working. And you and I have talked about this before. When Ball State University took over Muncie Schools and, and uh, took a $12 million deficit and put it in the black right away, you, have a, you had a... a a appointed school board and, and they took the politics out of schools which is what should happen in most school systems they 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 turned it around and their test scores were rising parents were participating this happens casey and it can happen in a school district coming to your your home well and you know one other thing that you left out that teachers are also responsible for is uh, protection and bodyguards some of the time but one of the board members Almost seems like he turned it around, not on the system that's in place, but on the on the parents mm-hmm. saying, you know, we got to keep these kids in the classroom. 
Okay, you're saying that now, but then just a year ago, you were saying, stay out of the classroom. Yeah, I, I think we so can, like, all, we can all agree that parents have their uh, responsibilities, teachers have theirs, and that pandemic, shutting down the schools, was a disaster, mm-hmm. and we are suffering because of it now. Uh, Jim Aaron, our guest, I wanted to real quick ask you about the story we touched on yesterday, which is Caitlin Bernard. She is the abortion doctor who loves doing the abortions and telling people about the abortions and telling the media about the abortions that she uh, performs. She was about to get some sort of award acknowledging women in the state of Indiana. Torch. Uh, torch, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then Holcomb stepped in and said, no, nah, we're not doing that. But he did it in the most wimpy way possible and then said, well, maybe we'll give it to her in the future. What in the world is going on? We are a state with more than three and a half million women. We are a pro-life state based on our public policy voted on by our elected officials. And we're handing out awards or trying to hand out awards to people whose only claim to fame is I do abortions and like to tell people about it. You know, I'll put my right to life, my life uh, credentials, 30 years of, of right to life support up against anybody. But I will say this, that independent com- commissions have to be independent. and But you also have to set that up so that it reflects the uh, the values and, and and the laws of the state of, of Indiana. And, and also, Casey, it is so hard to get people to serve on commissions. Mm. I'm sure the person that is in charge of this in the governor's office trying to get people to work in government. There is Government does not have credibility today. There is nothing that people trust about government, and that's a big problem today, and and this just adds to it. Yeah, well, when they nominate somebody like that, Mm -hmm. and the governor has to step in and say, no, we're not doing that. Of course, people aren't trusting the government. Well, of course. And and, uh, set the commission up uh, to reflect the state of Indiana, regardless of the issue. Uh, We know where Indiana uh, resides with its conservative nature and and, uh, and get it done that way. But I've been told there are commission members that voted for her. that we're not told, and it, it it just was it just was it, done in such a disorganized and and uh, not a clear uh, path but, for uh, this award. But Jim, isn't the bigger problem that Eric Holcomb is an elitist? and a big government liberal at his core, and he is not a reflection of the state of Indiana. And this is who gets on these commissions, who are people who are a reflection of the governor and the social circles that he hangs in. And then they do something so egregious that somebody goes to him and goes, dude, you got to do something. Well, you, you, not maybe him directly, but I mean, people in his orbit appointed and approved these people. They are a reflection of Holcomb. And it is, to me, the most glaring instance where Eric Holcomb does not reflect the state of Indiana. M E S. S. Yeah, there you go. That is. This entire time as governor, a big old mess. Hey, what are you doing? Where can people find you these days? Merit in the Morning with Brad Klopp, Klopfenstein. And uh, we're going to hear from uh, people like the Marion County Prosecutor, the Democrat. We're going to hear from uh, Jefferson Shreve in the coming weeks. At uh, the same time? That should be interesting. (laughs) Well, we we try to have a balance. John Ketzenberger was our our guest last week. And uh, Brad and I just love having different people from different... uh, uh, corners of Indiana, and it's just a lot of fun. And we we broadcast it at Cafe Audrey. Stop there for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merit, Merit in, the morning. in the morning. Yes, Jim Merritt, you are a national treasure, and we love you. Thanks for your general pleasant demeanor and overall fabulous smile. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.